welcome to Gen Topic. I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And it's Friday at five o'clock. Oh, time for gin. Yay! We're going to drink a gin with our guests and enjoy this week's topic. Yay! Cheers! Cheers! talking to Sarah. So we have got a nice special one because of course it is World Gin Day weekend this weekend. World Gin Day! (laughs) So we are having pre's tonight. Ooh, I do love a pre's. I do love it. Little special pre's and then it's World Gin Day tomorrow and then the World Hangover Day on Sunday. Obviously. Of course, the official day. And who better to be celebrating World Gin Day with than Dr. Anne Brock. Ooh, Dr. Anne Brock. Lovely. Why is she so wonderful to celebrate World Gin Day with? Because Dr. Anne Brock is the master distiller of Bombay Sapphire Gin. Ah, a famous gin. Absolutely. And she is master distiller and she is a doctor because she got a PhD in organic chemistry from the University of Oxford. So as well as being a distiller, she is also an academic um, and doing organic chemistry. Don't know if it has anything to do with how she distills her gin. Have no idea. We might find out. Do you know, I think we might. Oh, So our topic is distilling gin. Excellent. Because what uh, what other topic would you want <laughs> right. on well <laughs> gin day okay. weekend? <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And even though we've talked a lot about distilling gin over our series with lots mm-hmm. of different people, I still don't understand how they actually do it. It's yeah, it's a fair question. Um, so our questions are: How do we make good gin? How do we make it good and the same all the time? And of course, come up with new ones. Nice. Love that. Let's chat gin while I cuddle a dog. Oh, perfect. Now, if you haven't listened to this week's Tasting Room yet, we've already spent a little time chatting with our guest and with our gin expert, Emma, finding out all about this week's gin, why our guest has chosen it, what it tastes like, and whether we like it or not. And this week, we're drinking... Bombay Premier Crew. So don't forget to listen to our tasting room. But now, on with the topic. Okay, so we've got our gin. We're going to get on to our topic. So Anne, welcome to the main episode. Thank you very much. You may now sit and relax. You know, we welcome Mm -hmm. you in. You then just Mm -hmm. had to kick back. Enjoy the rest of the gin that we have tasted together on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit warm by now. <laughs> <laughs> I might need a top up in a minute. <laughs> I, th- I think a top up oh, is always good. Always yeah. good. But you get to sit back because Anya and I are going to talk about the topic. We're going to go through the question. We are going mm-hmm. to empty our brains of all knowledge that we have so far so that you yeah. can decide what tiny amount you need to add to that wealth of knowledge that we have (laughs) there's not even a hint of sarcasm here because (laughs) we have so much knowledge which is why we speak to people who are experts in things all the time because we just want to check that we are experts just check that you know what you think you know yeah exactly exactly we just need to make sure. Yeah, yeah. We need, just yeah. need to make sure. So you can yeah. listen, you can observe where exactly this bar is set. <laughs> I can't even see it. It's underneath the floor. <laughs> okay, so how do you make a good gin? Okay, so there's stills and there's vaporising <laughs> shit. and Ooh, baskets. Um, I remember baskets in the shower yeah. with some things in. Yeah. Basically, to my knowledge, you put a bunch of things in a thing, then you <laughs> might heat it up, I'm not sure, and then gin comes out, uh, is essentially my knowledge. Um, considering how often we've talked about gin, I feel like I should have more knowledge than that. <laughs> Do you remember there was a book we had 
when you lot were younger, which was a You Choose book, and it had a fabulous oh, machine. Oh yes, where you, there know were loads you of choose. roots into the into the machine, and loads of things coming out, and you talk the story of the machine. That is gin, isn't it? <laughs> So that is gin distilling. That's gin in my mind. Yeah, it goes into the you choose machine and it comes out as gin. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um. So how do you make it? How do you make it good? How do you make it the same all the time? Okay. How do you make it the same all the time? I imagine following a recipe. How do you make it good? I have strong yeah, views. Do you know my cooking? I can follow the same recipe and a different meal comes out. That is true. That is true. But. I'm assuming that's the basic mm-hmm. principle. How they actually do that, no okay. idea. In terms of making it good, depends on the person, doesn't it? Because some people might think cherry-flavoured gin, for example, is a good Steady thing. now. <laughs> Steady now. Okay, but flavoured gin, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so good is maybe... Relative. Depending on who wants it. I think there is a... There is a base level, yeah. though, isn't there? Because, you know, let's talk beer gin. Mm. Um, and that wasn't, you know, that was not good. That wasn't gin. No. It wasn't a gin. Emma said it wasn't a gin, so it's not a gin. <laughs> and so, yeah, making it good, there's got to be that certain, you know, the Holy Trinity, as Emma says. Not going to name them. I've had some gin. <laughs> Juniper. Coriander. No, that's not No, one. juniper. I no. can't remember. It's juniper and something and something. <laughs> Sieve-like brain is catching. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. Um, okay, right. Backtrack. How do you make it good? I think depends on your style. You've got to be a good cook, like being in the kitchen. You've got to be able to mm-hmm. have the ability to make it. I think if I was to make gin, I'd be shit. Because I'd be like the Swedish chef of Muppets. I'd be like, add that, add that, add that. And out would come a mess. Can you do that anymore? (laughs) Um, But you're right. I think you've got these stills. You've got stuff going in. It's distilled, heated, and stuff comes off. Mm. Do you know, we've got so much, haven't we? I I think this might be um, slightly lacking in knowledge for two people who claim to know gin. <laughs> when you think when we are faced with topics as wide as microbes and uh, pangolins and all sorts, and we suddenly come out with these weird and wonderful things that we've remembered from some... Uh, TikTok video or <laughs> well you know what this is the problem I'm not on gin TikTok and if I was on gin TikTok I'm sure I'd have more knowledge but here we are please fill in the blanks because I don't think there was anything useful there <laughs> so Anne I think you know first is there a gin TikTok second we need a lot of education <laughs> I mean you guys didn't Say anything incorrect. That's a win. But it was light. It, it was light on facts and detail. That's like, <laughs> not going to lie. Um, <laughs> um, gin TikTok. Good question. I have to say that I'm not on TikTok, so I don't oh. even know whether there's a gin TikTok. Oh, that's one for the to-do list. <laughs> Maybe this is something we can all discover together. But also, it might be because of the average age of people on TikTok. All right, be careful here. Be careful, okay? I'm I'm of the average age of TikTok. I'm old enough to drink. So I have I I clearly know nothing about TikTok. Maybe we should get someone in to teach about TikTok. So I've I've got gin down. (laughs) Maybe we could start a gin TikTok. Us three could become the face of gin TikTok. (laughs) New career plan. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm, look, I could branch out. <laughs> well, you'd have to bring the TikTok to the table. I'll bring the gin. There we go. And we could... Uh, Perfect. Dream awesome. team. Sarah, what are you bringing? Um, um, nothing. She can, she can produce. Like, she can be the Perfect. creative idea. But I'll sit and I'll drink. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we need to start with actually how do you make a gin? You know, real back to basics. What is distilling? What what goes on? Because it isn't necessarily the YouTube YouTube sort of machine. <laughs> what happens? I mean, there are a number of different ways to make gin. But if we're talking about distilling gin and specifically, then um, you're essentially putting um, alcohol. Mm-hmm. You're making alcohol interact with botanicals to extract flavor so you can make gin. And that process of extraction can be slightly different depending on the type of gin. And obviously, I work for Bombay. And at Bombay, we use a process called vapor infusion. So I'll tell you about the two different types. These are the baskets. They're the baskets. I was very impressed with the baskets. Well done, Sarah. Because <laughs> the, the sort of more um, frequently used method of making uh, distilling gin, you take all your botanical recipe, you put them into an alcohol solution, essentially a vodka. You turn heat on, so there's heat involved. Although okay, for some okay. gins, I, I don't want to confuse things too much. There is one gin I know of that does not use heat, and I can tell you about that. Mm. But let's let's keep this simple for now, and let's say we put heat in. So the heat makes the liquid and the botanicals boil. And if you think of anything like a cup of tea, boiling water and natural ingredients, you see colour and flavour being extracted into solution. And after that boils, the flavour compounds vaporise with the alcohol. So okay. they travel up to the top of the still, down to a condenser. The condenser's cold, turns the uh, the vapor back into liquid, and it takes all the flavor with it. You have gin. Mm, I see. What we do at Bombay is the second sort of main wet method of making gin. That's called vapor infusion. And we only put the liquid into the still. So we only put the alcohol into the still. And we have our baskets. So all our baskets sit before the condenser, but away from the still. And we put mm. our botanicals into those baskets. So when the alcohol vapor passes up, they go up and they steam the botanicals. Uh-huh. And it's at that, that moment where the steam hits the botanicals, we, we extract the flavor. The flavor compounds get picked up, carried over to the condenser, get turned mm, into gin. Okay. It's a little bit mad sciencey in my brain, in a really great way. In like, uh, I'm seeing it as like there's little baskets and like they're there's things floating up from the baskets and people are like <laughs> catching them. And I know it's not exactly like that. No, I mean, that's not what my distillers are doing. They tend to be safely on the outside of the still. Yeah. Yeah. But you what know, I was thinking like, was, do you, you know, know when you're cooking on you and like you might glug in a glass of wine to something in, to make it taste nice? Right, I thought for a second you were talking about me glugging wine while cooking and I was like, what? <laughs> but, you know, you might pour the glass of wine and then you're burning off the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And now all I can think of is if I just stand there and go, then, you know, I could breathe in the alcohol vapour, which is kind of what distilling is. <laughs> yeah, you're basically distilling off the alcohol, right? Um, anything that's uh, got a boiling point, anything that can boil can vaporize and you can distill it so um yeah that's that's what you do you're essentially distilling alcohol through some botanicals or with some botanicals and that's where the flavor comes in and of course being gin there has to be juniper in there yeah because if there isn't juniper it is not gin it isn't yeah yeah and i will die on that hill i'm (laughs) i'm a firm believer and if somebody tries to give me a gin that i can't taste juniper in you're out oh yes i'm so glad because i am a traditionalist as well i think the only caveat is sometimes um depending on the the production process so Mm. you know with a vapor infusion which is what we do at bombay you get this incredibly bright vibrant buried juniper and not the heavy waxy juniper that you might get from a steep and boil process so juniper in terms of a flavor has a such a huge flavor profile Mm. but yes there are some gins that that is not as apparent as it should be look at you being so diplomatic though whereas i'm like (laughs) screw those gins they can go die maybe i need some more gin and i'll get less diplomatic the more we talk (laughs) perfect we will track that progression as we go yeah so you were saying there were some gins that are done that don't boil the alcohol so how do you make gin if you're not doing that 
So there's two. So there's the gin, um, which is uh, you'll probably know it as bathtub gin. The technical name yeah. is compound gin, and that's where you just take all the botanicals and you soak them essentially in the gin, in the in a vodka, in a high proof okay. vodka. So like if you were to buy duty free going on holiday when I was younger, buying the bottle of vodka and the fruit and shoving it all in. Absolutely. Is it exactly. that kind of thing? That kind of thing. Um, but obviously they, they take on colour and they take on, as well as flavour. And you can't really control an extraction process as well as you can control a distillation process. So you tend to get a lot more variability between different batches. Um, there's also a compound gin where they just use flavour, flavour compounds so off the shelf, almost like they're mixing chemicals in the lab. Oh, see, that makes me think of like in Bake Off when they say, you know, I'm adding orange essence and Paul Hollywood gives them that like eyebrow raise and he's like, why wouldn't you use just like candied orange? Because you can control it more. And that's a very strong flavor using essence. And they'd sort of go pale and they're like, I've messed up. That's exactly it. That is the that is the Bake Off equivalent to compound gin. There we go. That's where you went. Where I went was the the um, chemicals they put into shops to make you want to go to buy things, and they yeah. spray yeah. smells of cake or coffee or yeah. whatever to make you go to different places. Absolutely, it's all using those flavors. So um, you can do that for gin, but it's it's not classed as a distilled gin then. And obviously, distillation. Um, is the go-to it's the most common form of making gin the the gin i mentioned where you don't use heat that's mm. where we get really complex and that's vacuum distilling oh okay so you can um, make so one of the gins that i um have i'm involved in is a gin called oxley and oxley is vacuum distilled at minus five degrees c so you can make the liquid boil at minus five degrees c so it's a really unique process and it really sort of captures fresh, um, fresh flavours. So I, I would say if you're thinking about distilling gin, you've got steep and boil where all the botanicals are in the still. You've got vapor infusion like Bombay Sapphire where they're all in the basket. And then you've got vacuum distillation. Wow, okay. That is pretty cool. So there's actually quite a few ways of doing it. Absolutely, yeah. And that's before you even get to what botanicals you put in there, because obviously that's infinite. Yeah. You could put anything. And in. you've got the three different types of distilling. But of course, as Emma was saying to us earlier, it depends on your um, the uh, shapes of your whatever they're called. What are they called that you distill in? Stills. Stills. That's the one. <laughs> Stills. Depending on what stills you're using, the material, the shapes... You know, all the rest of it will also depend on how much, you know, what the gin oh, is yeah. that comes out at the end. So as well as having the three types, it's all the uh, ways of which you do it. And it's things like the angle of the line arm go heading towards the condenser. Is it sloping up or sloping down? For us at Bombay, actually what's most important for us is the shape and size of the vapour infusion chamber. Because the amount of time and contact the spirit has with the botanicals is what determines how much you extract. Mm -hmm. And what we can do, and this is where we get really geeky, is um, and when you're distilling gin, different flavors come off at different times because different um, flavor compounds have different boiling, you know, different volatilities. With um, vapor infusion, we can turn the boiler down or turn the boiler up and change the speed at which the vapor passes through the basket at different times in the distillation. So if we want more of a particular um, flavour, we just slow it down so it really picks up that flavour and then speed it up later if there's something that we don't want in the flavour profile. So we have absolutely control over what's coming off the still at the other side. So then when you're producing the same gin over and over again, yes, yes. that's where it gets technical because you're like, okay, we have to do this bit for this long. and That's where cool. this is the thing, I think, where it's really exciting in gin distilling is creating that recipe, you know, playing with the different botanicals, playing with the different distillation processes so that you can get the flavor of the final product. But then when you come to making it time and time again, if I got creative every time I made a batch of Bombay Sapphire, nobody would ever know what they were drinking when they opened a blue bottle and I'd probably get fired. But what, what we do, therefore, is have to keep absolutely everything the same. And the only thing we change is where the cut points are taken. So they're the points at which you um, collect the gin or decide not to collect the gin at the start and the end of the distillation. And my distillers do it by nosing. 
And because you can mm. get slight variations, you do, that is something that the distiller has to be trained to make that call. Everything else, the flow rates, the ABV of the starting material, the, even the layering in the botanicals and the baskets has to stay the same. Mm. And I'm imagining there's a lot of trial and error getting to this is what we're oh, yeah. doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that comes down to also even just creating the botanical recipe, you know, the different combinations and the different ratios of the botanicals, what's working. And then even when you've got that recipe set, you know, we have our master of botanicals and his team who spend so much time managing the quality of the botanicals. Because if you think about it, they're all natural harvests. So depending on the weather, depending on um, how long they've been in storage, depending on so many different factors, the, the botanicals change year on year. And so he does a lot of work maintaining and back blending so that he gives me as much as possible a consistent batch of yeah. botanicals. We then apply exactly the same distillation process each time. Mm. Even mm. then, you'll get slightly different characteristics depending on the different, four different stills I have. So then we take, we've got big vats where we blend all the different liquids together. So overall, you're just constantly smoothing out that variation so that when it finally hits the blue bottle, it's the gin you'd expect to have. Because, mm. I mean, that's the thing. So us as uh, gin buyers go in, pick up bottle, blue bottle, it's Bombay. We're expecting, we pour into our glass and mm -hmm. we want it to be exactly that. You don't expect to it to deviate from that taste at all. Absolutely not. Is that getting harder and harder with climate change? Yes. <laughs> yes oh, absolutely. Sarah. Oh. Absolutely. And it is, it is um, a really interesting um interesting challenge for the industry you know because like i was saying earlier like i was saying um before like where you source your botanicals from mm -hmm. the terroir if you like of those botanicals is very very important because juniper grown in south america somewhere is very different from juniper grown in tuscany or um mm -hmm. we even used to have juniper in a ring around london at one point so juniper grows wild all over the world and it's very very different depending on the growing conditions so we know that we have Tuscan junipers because that's the flavour profile we want. And it's, you know, when you pick up a bottle of Bombay Sapphire, it's the story of the Tuscan juniper coming at you. However, if Tuscany has a rubbish summer, yeah. either too much rain, not enough rain, it has an impact on things like juniper because it's not cultivated, because it mm. is growing, mm. growing wild. Um, so, mm. yeah, it's going to be an interesting challenge, I think, for the industry as a whole. Mm. And yet again, we find another reason to care about climate change on this podcast. Because seriously, <laughs> if you like gin, care about climate change. No, protect oh, the juniper. It's so important. It's so important. Yeah. And it's something that's actually a really big focus of my day to day. And people don't think about that. But sustainability is a huge part of my day to day. Um, obviously, mm. quality of the, of the, of the gin. But um yeah sustainability is crucial yeah because you're talking about getting you know tuscan juniper as well is there then the whole issue of getting it to the uk <laughs> and how do we make that okay <laughs> and we, so you have to look at the whole supply chain most of my focus is looking at the distillery how mm. we can minimize water usage at the distillery how we can minimize greenhouse gases the biodiversity of the site but it's it's so much bigger than that. And it it is something that's a real passion for the team at Bombay because partly because everyone should care about it right now and we should be looking after this planet, but also the 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 negative effects of climate change give us a headache when we're trying to make great gems. Yeah. Yeah. So you are master distiller at yes. Bombay. There's not Which is just... a great title, by the yes. way. Imagine <laughs> that. Like, come on. There's not just you in one room making every single bottle no so who else is involved what else you know what is that whole process so there's there's two real core teams um for bombay we've got the the team um who report into the what we call call our master of botanicals so master of botanicals alessandro ganeri he is based in geneva with his team of um technicians so lab technicians who can run quality tests qualitative trials do all the packaging they source all the botanicals for us 
they send them over to me and my team at Laverstoke. So on my team, I have 12 what I call shift distillers, distillers who are on the shop floor. At any one time, there's a max of three of them working. Overnight, there's two because we run 24 seven. Wow. So, um, that's how much we all need, Jen. That is, you, you guys keep us busy, can I just say. And it um, is just me and Sarah <laughs> keeping you busy as well. <laughs> so how many bottles are going through? You know, how much gin is is going out all, you know, all the time to warrant that? Man- oh, A lot. We drink so, we, so much, Anya. We, we just uh, sorry, you drink so much. I can't afford to buy my own gin anymore, Sarah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I have plenty of gin, so I'll, I'll send you a bottle. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. I've been taken care of. <laughs> Why do you think I'm dog sitting on a Friday night? I've got to afford the gin somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy when you think about it because you think of the fact that you can walk into any bar in the world and Bombay will be on the back bar, but actually it's a very small team relatively from the botanicals mm. team through to my team at the distillery that actually make the gin. Um, but we keep those stills running 24-7. So right now I'm at home, but my guys will be, well, they better be anyway. They will be working um, right now. And they'll have, so the, the night shift come on at five o'clock in the evening and they go through till five o'clock in the morning and then they do a sw- switch over and the day team come in and they'll be going over the weekend. Um, so they're all trained to nose and take the cuts. They're all trained on the quality and I have oversight. So on Monday morning I'll go in and there'll be glasses lined up for me to nose and take. So hold on, you walk in to work on a Monday morning and there's glasses of gin lined up and it's like oh god I have to go in and I have to taste gin first thing on a Monday morning you're telling me that's your job but it's it's gin at 20 percent and it's looking for little differences and you know there are some days when you don't want to try gin (laughs) yes it's true we've we've been there actually when we've had early morning recordings (laughs) Yeah, we have tasted um, gin neat at 10 o'clock in the morning. and Never again. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It doesn't feel right um, at all. It feels like a cry for help, but it is my job. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, I I love it. And I um, I love the fact that you get to know a product you know everybody I thought I knew Bombay Sapphire when I when I started this role but I you just get to know it so intimately when you're tasting and nosing all the different distillates that come off all the different blends and ensuring that quality because like I say things change in the botanicals over time so it's making sure that Bombay tastes and smells like Bombay Mm. Um, but you know I'm, I'm lucky my distillers are highly trained and they know what they're doing but I'm there as sort of it's on me if Bombay doesn't yeah. taste right. But then obviously you've got, when you think of Bombay, you think of the traditional bottle, you think of, you know, I know what Bombay tastes like, but you don't just do one no. Bombay Sapphire gin. You do, you know, other ones. And obviously gin has had a real boom recently. So how do you go from, this is the traditional gin we're known for, but here's something new and exciting that's the same thing, but isn't the same. Yeah. And which the Premier crew was one that you developed beginning to end. So how? Yeah, I I mean, I think I developed it with the Master of Botanicals as well. We do all our um, innovation together. But I think the interesting thing about Premier crew is the way it was approached because often when you think about making a gin, you're you're thinking about the different botanical mix. We're starting with that core Bombay DNA, right? That is so Mm. key for us because it's what's recognisable for us as a brand, as well as the Blue Bottle. Everyone knows the Blue Bottle. But um, so there's a couple of ways you can approach um, innovating um, and building on a, a DNA that's already there. The first is to say, do you know what? This kind of cocktail is having a massive boom at the moment. Mm. We need a gin that really addresses that Mm. and gives bartenders Mm. something that they can use in that style of cocktail. Mm. Or we could have found a really interesting botanical and we want to use the botanicals. So we put that on top of the Bombay recipe and play around with that and make 
make it highlight um sort of which could through. go terribly wrong you know you might find well, yeah. a botanical that you think this is going to really work and then you do it and you go oh that does oh, not work absolutely it's really fascinating how that happens you get super excited by something and then it just comes out a dead vegetal mess and you're like oh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so, i think that is one of the best insults i'm going to use from here you are mm-hmm. just a dead vegetal mess <laughs> you know what you know what I mean like that salad bag that's been left in the in the oh, salad yeah, store oh, so yeah. often when you distill particularly fresh herbs and things it just comes out like oh horrible or um going back to good things about gin you know, the way we approached Premier Crew which was to tell a story and that was the story of the sourcing of the botanicals so that was really where um it became fun because we wanted to make the citrus shine mm. um and shine through the vapor infusion process that we use so it's never easy taking a gin that is known and recognized and we call it a balanced gin so you add botanicals to a balanced gin that by definition unbalances it so that was a real challenge yeah, i was gonna say that must be terrifying it's like here's something that works that everyone likes and let's just try and make it different in a good way make it good but not too good so everyone still loves bombay sapphire yeah exactly yeah really hard you're you're on a really fine line there don't you must shine but don't shine too much yeah because yeah. Bombay Sapphire is our north star you know it's it's, yeah. it's what we what we what we try and show off and showcase mm-hmm. mm. well I think you've developed something very very good thank you yeah I mean I'm a big fan personally but that's just <laughs> me <laughs> I mean I'm a big fan but I have to say that but I am honestly <laughs> and how long did it take to get it right well, this was the interesting thing for Premier Cru. So I mentioned that our Master of Botanicals is based in Geneva and we developed Premier Cru through COVID. Ah, that lovely thing that we all yeah. try and forget about. That? Do you remember that? Tasting yeah. on Zoom. What do you taste? <laughs> That's literally what we do every Tuesday, Sarah. What do you want about? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that essentially we were doing your gin tasting room, <laughs> but through development. And it was you know, before we'd get together in the lab and we'd play with flavors and botanicals and the distillation process. This time it was literally telling each other what to do and sending samples. And then halfway through this, obviously Brexit happens. So trying to get through samples to oh, customs. God, yeah. So you can't send samples. So I think it probably took longer than we it would have had we actually been able to be in the same room together. Mm. Um, but we're, we're really pleased with how it turned out. And um, mm. we were very lucky that we managed to launch it in, I think it was 2021 in London and it was basically one of the first spirit launches when everyone could finally get together again so that was a really lovely lovely and so everyone was like this is the moment (laughs) yeah I mean they would have come anyway but it was really well attended it was really well attended everyone was like please let my be real go off right now like I'm out and I'm socializing and this this is happening Be real. That's one of these other social things that I... I actually don't have it. I'm just trying to pretend like I'm cool because I'm meant to be like the young one. And uh, I only know it because my siblings have it. But here we are. (laughs) And so you have... Your career hasn't always been in gin. You have a PhD from Oxford. Does that help with the distilling of gin? What's Or is it just this fascination with the scientific creation and yeah yeah I think I think there's sort of a couple of elements where it comes in obviously the the sort of uh technical the 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 specific chemistry I was studying is no help whatsoever but Mm -hmm. um there's two areas where it does help and the, the first one is just the physical process of distilling and understanding how liquids behave and you know you can give a good uh you can guess what's going to happen or you can look at a process that's already in place and make changes that you know won't affect the flavor of the gin. So you can mm. improve process, make them more sustainable, make them more um, efficient, but keep the gin tasting great. And then the second area um, is really around um, troubleshooting. And when something 
doesn't go to plan because if you ever speak to anyone who's done a scientific PhD, nothing works ever. Well, I know people that have finished their PhD and the answer of their PhD is that everything they've studied for three years actually doesn't have any effect on anything. No, absolutely. I've never been so pleased to have been a creative writing student because I knew that nothing I ever studied would ever have an effect on anything. It's really reassuring. But they, but, you know, you can come out with a doctorate knowing that, you know, the, your your hypotheses that you had actually has been proved to be incorrect and there you go (laughs) and then you get gifted kid burnout (laughs) (laughs) yeah completely yeah I think I think that that's um that's really what where it helped me was you know I went in every day and did very similar activities Mm. trying to get to an answer and trying to understand what's gone wrong and I think that that sort of um persistence and curiosity mindsets is where it's really helped me in gender stilling. Yeah, because I, I just keep thinking about, you know, when once you've produced something really good, then the world just keeps going, yep, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. We yeah. need more bottles, need more bottles, keep going. Do not ever dip down from that A that you have created. It's got to keep, mm. that's a real hard level to keep producing. And to make more of it, you know, Bombay is growing really fast, which is super exciting mm. for us, but also terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because with this gin boom that really, I mean, that took off in a big way. Suddenly everyone mm-hmm. and their mum was drinking pink gin and lemonade down at Spoons on a Friday night. Like it was mad. Uh, Not me, but uh. you know, yeah. <laughs> but obviously Bombay is one of those that's been around for ages. People know Bombay. And so all of a sudden you've got loads of people going, I've started drinking gin. I'm going to drink this bottle that's really recognisable. Did you suddenly go, oh, my God? Well, I think I I sort of joined Bombay as the sort of, yeah, I was kind of in a craft world before there where um, I was riding the wave a little bit, but the volumes were small. But, yeah, certainly what we've seen in Bombay is just, this explosion of enjoyment um, Mm. and particularly through the pandemic as well, where people were being creative at home with cocktails. Mm, They, they were going to the local supermarket and Bombay is in their local supermarket. They picked it up. It's a premium gin, came back, got creative at home with cocktails. And um, we, we saw an absolute boom, particularly in the UK for Bombay during that time, which was amazing. But like you say, it's not something you can suddenly turn a tap on. It's not like, it's not like we're just blending chemicals in labs, you know, we are we are distilling this from natural ingredients. So to suddenly mm. scale up and turn up the vol- turn up the um production amounts was uh intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> intriguing. It was fun. It was fun. It's always it's always good to be busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, to get an idea of that from a public, if I go to the supermarket, I can pick a bottle off the shelf and there we go. We got it home and I can have a few gins and martinis and then I go back to the supermarket and buy another bottle. Um, How long does it take to produce one bottle? Oh, there's so many different answers to that question. I can, Mm. I mean, I can talk about the distillation cycle being eight hours. So um, from start to finish, one distillation cycle is eight hours. Um, But then obviously you need to send, you need to let it rest. You can't immediately add water to it. You then need to add water to it, put it in a bottle. But we can go all the way back to our oris is aged for up to five years. Sorry, and your what is what is aged? One of the botanicals in gin, oris. Um, it's one of the most expensive botanicals in gin because it's used, it's one of the main ingredients in Chanel Number no. 5 and a lot of perfumes. And what is it? It's the root of an iris flower. Oh, and it's dried and ground into powder, and then put in put in the still as as it's one of the botanicals, one of the core botanicals, and so something like that. I mean, that had to grow, then it had to be dried for five years. Juniper, and like I said, it grows wild. So these bushes are quite old; they've they've been there a while. So it's very hard to say when the gin making process starts. But from a distillation point of view, yeah. it takes eight hours. Wow, we. Mm. And then obviously you've got to you know bottle it, send it 
places with the label on get it delivered somebody's got to put it out on the shelves they're being yelled at by karen because they haven't got it out already (laughs) they only started their shift 10 minutes ago i mean jesus (laughs) are you you getting that feeling of being back in pandemic and picking shelves in the in the supermarkets and like oh my god they haven't got that it's all okay it's all okay (laughs) i can't make the substitution the tablet tells me what to substitute and i know it's rubbish but i've got to do it anyway Now, whilst we've got you here, Anne, is there anything we should be looking out for in terms of creation? Because we've got Bombay Sapphire, you create a gin, fine, everyone knows the blue bottle, it's something people buy, maybe staple in the cupboard, keep putting in the basket, you know, on a monthly subscription and you're in your shopping, (laughs) but you've still got to keep up with the fact that there is a boom on gin and there are so many different ones. I mean, I love when we have guests coming on and we can buy it from a supermarket, but many of the times we're ordering from all these tiny producers that are doing small things. Have we got other things coming in the pipeline that we should be looking for? One of the things I love about the gin industry is the fact that Unlike scotch, unlike um, bourbon, you don't have to sit and wait for three years or however long it is before you can put the uh, gin in bottle, which means you can be very reactive and very creative. And it's something I love doing as well. And it's something the Master of Botanicals loves doing. So is there something specific I can tell you about? No, but we are always being creative at Bombay always Mm. and if we do something it's because we're excited by it Mm. do it because it really showcases what we love at Bombay which is babe infusion and great botanicals um and we like telling stories Mm. so we've told the story of our lemon but maybe there's other stories Mm. interesting (laughs) note there yeah really nice really nice I was just thinking that the because Bombay Sapphire is such a staple cupboard store that we have, you know, that you pick that bottle, you've always got to be producing that gin. Mm. But it's not a robotic production of gin to just produce that recipe all the time. No. You've got to be thinking about other things as well. So I look forward to other things in store. Mm. Absolutely. And do you know what? One of the things that um, amazed me, actually, when I came onto the bank, because I came from a craft world, was really the level of attention and care that goes into something that people do view as just a store cupboard staple. It's actually an incredibly, it's crafted by people who are really passionate about it, as passionate as as a small distiller would be. Um, Mm. We take so much care over every step of the process. And it's something that I love going out and talking about and also getting people down to the distillery in Navistoke to show them what we do and blow their minds that mm. it's it's not just um, a factory. It's, it's this incredible, incredibly magical space that makes great gin. Oh, I feel an outing coming on. <laughs> so next day trip, Anya and I will be going down. Yeah. Having a look. You are very welcome. Anytime. Oh, I'm so ready. I'll put on my best Doc Martens. Oh, and that's good because safety first at the distillery, we like flat shoes, please. Perfect. I only ever wear flat shoes. I literally never yeah. wear heels. Ditto. So. Ditto. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I think we have distilled so much knowledge from you on how we distill the gin and understanding of Bombay Sapphire, something that has been on the shelves of bars and supermarkets and in our cocktails and everything that we've not really considered so much. And I love the Premier Coup. I can't even say it now. I'm drinking too much of it. I love it. I would very much like a whole bottle ASAP, please. I'm sure we can sort something out. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of it in a martini. Pre-batch your martinis. Oh, yeah. In my frozen martinis. Yes. Yes. I'm going to make a batch 
Yeah, Free I'm going to do that tomorrow. It's a Saturday. I've got time. Make sure you look up the dilution because there's lots of recipes online. But if you get the dilution right, it won't freeze. But it will mm. just be super, super cold. And then when super you pour cold. it out, it will be really thick and creamy. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's Friday. Yeah. So it's martini night. Perfect. So we have World Gin Day tomorrow. And then World Hangover Day, the day after. <laughs> so tomorrow morning, I'm making all my martinis. I'm going to freeze them. I'm going to drink them all the way through the evening. And then I'm going to oh, curl gonna up in the dark and wish that I was a lot younger. That is exactly what I do on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and because I am... Very much older inside, I will do very much the same because I still can't handle hangovers at 23 years of age. (laughs) Now, I have one very, very last question. Working in an industry like gin or alcohol, does it not turn you off? Like, if I was working at McDonald's, I don't think, well, I wouldn't eat anything from McDonald's anyway. But if I I was going to say, that's such a lie. I wouldn't eat it. You know, do you like the Monday mornings? Do you just go, I'm done now. Do you know, it's it's interesting because at the end of the day, my job is a job. So yeah, you're gonna have days when you're just like, don't want to go to work today. But oh, you really gin. have to. Ugh. But I have to kick myself, right? Because I have friends who are teachers who work in the NHS. That is a hard job. My job is brilliant. At the end of the day, I get to make one of the world's best gym brands. I get to do something that I am super passionate about and genuinely, genuinely love. So yes, when I have, I do have bad days, but I also get to go and drink in some of the world's best bars and see my products being used by the most talented bartenders in the world. And there is no feeling on earth that can be beaten by that. That is pretty good. But if we're working in the NHS, we don't go back into the A&E on a Saturday (laughs) unless we've done something terrible. But you know, if you've been drinking gin during the week, do you not get to a Saturday and then just go, do you know what? I'm going to have a hot chocolate. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think the thing is when you're nosing and tasting in the distillery, it doesn't feel like drinking. Drinking, because you're, you're spittooning, <laughs> you're not drinking it, you, you're tasting it. Um, and it's very different to sitting and drinking a cocktail made for you in a bar. Oh. And that experience is just perfect. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. <laughs> so once we've frozen the martinis, I'm going to sit in a bar, have somebody make us a martini with the primary air crew and jobs are good. Awesome. <laughs> it sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> no problem at all. It's been great to chat. Thank you. I've nice. had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's quiz you. Distilling gin. How do we distill it? There are three different types. Can you remember? Can you, can you? There's no heat distilling. (gasps) I know, weird one. There's, that's the vacuum. Weird. Want to know a lot more about that. Yep. There's baskets. Whoop, whoop. So vapour infusing, absolutely all that lovely alcohol going through and snuffling through the vapour. Nice. And Not then snuffling there's bathtubs or skittles in a vodka bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole immersion or Although whatever it was called. you can actually do it with Starburst sweets as well. Oh, Just... I love that whole Not idea. that I've ever done that. No, I haven't. Well, we were just fruit, you know. But I love I that you're, like you know, out. a parent slash guardian, and I'm talking about yeah, we never put Starburst and vodka, and you're just like, oh, I only did it with fruit. I missed out. <laughs> Weird relationship we have, Sarah. Weird. You yeah, should I'm be like, to really. You know, your birthday of the summer. I think we should do Skittles uh, in vodka. Oh my god, Kieran would love you forever. I think Kieran would like bow down at your feet if you did that. (laughs) So anyway, so we've got distilling gin, I think is it's it's part art, it's part science. 
You know, yeah. you've got that whole process, the different processes you choose. But then it's all about the art of crafting mm. the really nice, tasty gin. And then yeah. the absolute, you've got to get it the same again and again and, and again, again and again. That's and you've terrifying. got to keep it spot on. Absolutely it's spot on. It's- Bloody difficult. You know, I mean, I love cooking and I'll cook something. I'll be like, oh, it's brilliant. And we sit down. Yeah, but you literally never cook the same thing twice. No, because somebody will go, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. Can't remember. Yeah. And it's it's actually a bit of a curse. And so, you know, the fact that they're having to master even like where the botanicals go in the, in the basket, the layering of the botanicals mm. to make sure that it's absolutely spot on every time yeah couldn't hack the pressure couldn't hack it no couldn't be me but then they create new things as well as keeping that again and the mercy and lemon love it yeah i love it love the whole you know showcasing where they've come from i want to learn to peel and Lemon with a knife, it will hurt. What are your world gin day plans? Learning to peel a lemon. (laughs) But only when I'm not drinking lots of gin. Yeah, please be careful, listeners. Uh, Don't do that after a gin. (laughs) And do you know what the major thing is I've learned from this episode? Go on. Can't be a gin distiller. No, could not be me. I I just don't think I could ever sip gin, no matter how weak, at nine o'clock in the morning. No. And then spit it out to taste everything. But also the pressure. Um, mm. Yeah, they're amazing folk. They are amazing. We love gin distillers. Yeah. Cheers to them. Happy World Gin Day. Oh, yay! Yeah. Well, there you go. We finished the gin. That was this week's topic. Join us next week for another one. Lovely. Where can people find us in the meantime, Sarah? At Topic Gin. So find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, find us on Face FaceTime? No? Facebook? We're on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> but we're not on TikTok. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Or you can head over to our website, ginandtopic.com. And you can email us, hello at ginandtopic.com. And you can see us on Tuesday for the tasting room. The next gin. Oh, can't wait. See you then. And see you next week for the next topic too. Ooh.